And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the only podcast for the website. It's plus comedy. Like I just said, his website. Go there. Oh, man. What a time I had setting up for this podcast. I had to hurry up and do this. Hey, let's get right into it. I have nothing else to talk about. But the sweet, sweet... You know what? I never ask you. How are you doing? How, how are your things going on your side? Uh-huh. Oh, oh, really? She said that? He did that. Nuh-uh. All right, this is stupid. <laughs> hey, listen up, folks. Uh, one of my favorite shows of all time ended this week. Uh, one of my set, one of my other favorite shows of all time is ending uh, tonight. Actually, the night the night I record this. This episode's a day old, <laughs> a day late, day old and a day late, just like me. If you're watching the video, I am wearing uh, my workout clothes. Uh, it's been several hours since I worked out, but I am still sweaty for reasons that are none of your business. <laughs> I'm still sweaty and and still in these clothes. I'm not sweaty anymore. I'm dry, but I stink. And that's what's most important about this. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, last week I was editing the video for this podcast, and I realized that some t- like in the last in the past couple of weeks, like the last two or three episodes, the video has been off just a little bit in the beginning part. Uh, I'm getting a phone call. I'm going to decline that. But it's been off uh, just a little bit in the beginning part. Uh, I realized I thought it was the video. At first, I thought it was the cameras. I thought it was both of the, one of the cameras. I was GoPro. I thought it was the the Canon ES T three, EOS T three. It's not either one of the cameras. That phone is still ringing. <laughs> it's not either one of the cameras. It uh, is, in fact, it was Audition. It's been clipping. The audio has been clipping when I've been recording, so it jumps ahead like a couple of seconds, but only once, and only at the beginning of the podcast, so I don't know what that is. Uh, it's I, I blame Audition. <laughs> and that's it. But anyway, you're the worst, crazy-ass girlfriend, both ending in the same week. Uh, Broad City ended last week. Wonderful ending. I don't know if I talked about that. Just a gorgeous ending. Uh, really brought really brought the whole show together. You're the worst, I believe, had the best ending of any TV show. You know, Mad Men, I love Mad Men to death. One of my favorite shows of all time. But I think you're the worst. Uh, Mad Men had a really great ending. Really fantastic A-plus ending. Uh, you're the worst really took its characters, understood what it was, changed them for the better for the, over the course of uh, four or five seasons. Changed them for the better. It might be six. I think it might be five. Changed them for the better. Still ends it the way that the show uh, intended for it to be ended. And allowed for the characters to have have it ended. Uh, there's a little bit of strife, um, a little bit of tension. Uh, these flash forwards in the beginning of the season really have me worried, but nonetheless, uh, Stephen Falk really pulled it through. Uh, insane work, insane work. It's I can't believe they tied it all together. Really, really, really good. Really, really, really good. Uh, speaking of th- and so Crazy Ass Girlfriend ends tonight. Um, she basically the last season has been Rebecca dealing with uh, a her mental health and B trying to choose between three guys uh, that she's fallen in love with over the course of the series. Uh, and tonight she'll apparently either choose one of the three or she won't choose one of the three. We'll see what happens. Who knows? I I think it's gonna. I think she's not gonna choose anybody, and I think she's gonna learn how to be uh, by herself or something like that. Because this, because I mean, it's been ramping up to this, and I think that's what's going to. Speaking of things I've seen, uh, Twilight Zone 2019, Jordan Peele's remake of the TV show, the reboot of the TV show, 
uh, finally aired on CBS All Access after what being announced last year uh, and all that stuff. But uh, this first episode is called The Comedian. It was uploaded to YouTube for free on April Fool's Day, so that's a really good treat. Uh, starring Kumail Nanjiani, Tracy Morgan is also in there. Uh, a, a crop of really great actors. Let me tell you, that story, very trite, uh, boring at parts. It's a 55-minute episode versus the second episode, which is also uploaded on April Fool's Day, but not on YouTube. Uh, that one is, I think it was, I think it's like 30-something minutes. Uh, the thing about the Twilight Zone is the original Twilight Zone, which is like the 50s, 60s Twilight Zone, was that uh, the, the the really good episodes could tell a story in 22 minutes. And it could be riveting and tense and engaging uh, versus this later, this this new streaming era, like I've complained before, has really taken, just they're just using the time, the, the no time constraints, which is an issue. Uh, and it really, like One Day at a Time, I love that show to death, one of my favorite shows of all time, uh, but it's that show really has an issue with going to like 33 minutes per episode where, whereas like a sitcom comedy should not be a sitcom, a sitcom comedy should not be <laughs> title this episode. <laughs> um, uh, it should not be um, half an hour. It should be, you know, 22, maybe even 24 minutes. It shouldn't, it should not push into the half an hour range for the 40 minute range. You know, sometimes you'll watch unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And it'll be 39 minutes. It's too long for a comedy. For half hour. Now there's hour long comedy. It's like crazy ass girlfriend. That's an hour long. What else is a comedy? Uh, Flash is funny sometimes. <laughs> I can even give a straight face. Uh, but Twilight 2019, Twilight Zone 2019. It was good. It's really atmospheric. Uh, and one thing is Jordan Peele is the narrator. He takes the Rod Sterling part, and he is, I would say, distracting in that role. <laughs> I know he only pops up twice in each episode. You know, he does the his opening narration and then the closing narration. Uh, but Jordan's distracting. They should have gotten somebody else. Um, no offense to Jordan. I think Jordan's doing a great job. Just distracting in that role. I can't, I, uh, I think, it's not that I can't take him seriously. It's just that I can't take him as somebody who's that mysterious. They should, they, like, if they got, like, uh, like Helen Mirren does, um, uh, documentary now. She's the host of Documentary Now on IFC. Uh, and I kind of believe that role, but versus, you know, Jordan, which is kind of difficult. Uh, in my notes, I wrote down that Jordan Peele is the next Seth MacFarlane. He's going to insert himself into literally everything he does, <laughs> which is very true. Uh, and also, uh, speaking of You're the Worst earlier, there's a, a Stephen Falk did an interview with the AV Club. I uh, dare you to read it. I dare you to read it. Check it out. It's a really good interview uh, that he sat down with Eric Adams of the AV Club. And they talked about the finale and the cyclical nature of the show and uh, why one of the characters did what he did uh, in last week's episode, uh, which is to... Uh, <laughs> well, he told, he, told one, he told the main character not to marry one of the other main characters. So that's it. Um, and uh, a lot of callbacks. It's, it's a great, very, very good just check out the interview. Really good. Uh, if, you've, if you've seen the finale. <laughs> Obviously, if you haven't, uh, go watch the show. It's a great show. It's really fantastic. Talks about mental health. That's a whole thing that people love nowadays. <laughs> people love mental health. Moving on. Uh, one Day at a Time, speaking of CBS All Access, uh, Twilight Zone, could go to CBS All Access 
perhaps, maybe we're unsure. This comes from the rap written by Reed Nakamura. Uh, Sony Pictures Television, which produces the show, uh, announced its intention to shop the show to other outlets after it was canceled on Netflix, one day at a time. Uh, again, because of ratings and because it was going to cost a whole bunch of money after the third season. If you didn't, if you don't know the whole thing, Netflix cancels shows after the third seasons because uh, that's how the contracts work. And if the if they go to a fourth season, then a show could uh, potentially go up from hundreds of thousands to make to millions and millions of dollars. And Netflix don't got that kind of money to spend on that kind of show. If it doesn't have the ratings, that's why only some shows make it to four. Not all, just a handful. Uh, CBS All Access has put in an official All Access has put it. CBS All Access has put in an official offer to revive the Norman Lear comedy. An individual with knowledge of the proposed deal told the rap. But there's a clause in Netflix uh, agreements in uh, the contracts that states that uh, Netflix does own all of the rights to the first three seasons, to whatever whatever seasons they produce, Uh, which is odd because The Killing, they produced the last two seasons when they bought it from AMC, but I I think it's because it's not a Netflix original. They just, and now The Killing is where I'm going with this, is on Hulu, I just, I believe. Versus not being on Netflix. Uh, Here is a statement from Netflix that they put out a couple weeks ago. We spent several weeks trying to find a way to make another season work out work, but in the end, simply not enough people watched to justify another season. That's so stupid. The outpouring of love for this show is a firm reminder to us that we must continue finding ways to tell these stories. That's so stupid. If you wanted to find ways to tell the story, you would keep the show on. That's uh, everybody is, is like, oh, I Netflix. Oh, I Netflix everything. I watch everything on Netflix. They, they they're like the Amazon of. Uh, yeah, they are like the Amazon, like Amazon's warehouse has uh, had a tricky past and a tricky current. And uh, the way they treat their the way they treat their workers. And yeah, you think it's great that, you know, all this creativity on Netflix. But then once you once you get that fabled fourth season, there are children singing outside. You can't hear them, but I can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> it is very loud <laughs> and they're very bad at singing. Uh, but once you get to this fabled fourth season, you know, it's, they rein in that creativity. And if you have the ratings, they'll rein it in and say, Hey, listen, you gotta listen to us. The CW also expressed interest in the show. Uh, though the network does not typically pro- uh, program half hour sitcoms. Uh, and if the CW, again, uh, I mentioned this in a news time episode earlier this year, uh, CW used to be UPN and the WB, uh, then they morphed into one network and now it is owned by CBS, which is why Supergirl went from CBS to CW and, uh, and they only do hour long shows and they only do two hours worth of original programming, two hours Sunday through Friday. So, uh, so I, I doubt that this, <laughs> I doubt that, uh, one day at a time would have lived. I mean, it one day at a time would only could only live it could not live on broadcast anymore. It has to be on streaming. And I say that because uh, One Day at a Time is such a raunchy show. They talk about, and I mean, and and I mean only because the topics are taboo in today's world. I mean, on, I'm not going to say honestly, but if, but if, you know, if a show talked about this stuff all the time, I'd be happy. I'd be great. 
like we should have a broadcast show that talks about LGBT stuff, racism and all this stuff on broadcast, on network, but it's always getting canceled. The, uh, the Carmichael show, uh, one day at a time, you know, and uh, I could name more, but there are not any other shows doing this. So there you go. Check it out. Hopefully one day at a time lands on CBS All Access. Uh, another thing, <laughs> next story. Uh, this is from The Verge. YouTube reportedly discouraged employees from reporting fake toxic videos. Written by Nat Garen. Garen. Uh, YouTube apparently for a long time uh, knew about the toxic videos like the the uh, alt-right videos and Alex Jones and all and type stuff con- uh, conspiracies uh, and all that stuff just reviews they just ignored it just reviews this comes from Bloomberg according to more than 20 former and current YouTube staffers employees would offer proposals to curb the spread of videos that contain disturbing extremist content and or conspiracy theories but leadership was reportedly more interested in boosting engagement than heeding those warnings one proposal offered a way to keep content that was quote close to the line of violating policies on the platform but remove it from the recommended tab YouTube the horn just honked outside. YouTube rejected the suggestion in 2016, a former engineer said, and instead continued to recommend videos regardless of how controversial they were. According to employees, the internal goal was to reach 1 billion hours of views a day. Oh boy, that is damaging. That is damaging. And no one and no one seems to be talking about this. Uh, everybody wants to jump on Facebook for uh, some of the stuff they do, but no one ever wants to get on to any other uh, streaming, not streaming, every, any other, I usually talk about streaming networks, any other social platform, uh, Snapchat, which is going to be today's, I mean, next week's topic for news time, Snapchat, uh, Inst- well, Instagram is on my Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, Tinder, all the other, all these other social networks, they, they, YouTube, they all, they all do some really crazy and I don't want to say out of the box, but disgusting things that no one seems to recognize. And it sucks that people don't realize that. And they don't want to do anything about it. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Employees outside the moderation team were also reportedly discouraged from searching YouTube for toxic videos. Well, for lawyers said the company would have a bigger liability if there was proof that staffers knew and acknowledged those videos existed. That's kind of like when... Um, the the back end engineers on Facebook would go went to uh, went to the woman who was in charge. I think it's Amy Klobuchar. I don't know. That might not be her name, and that might be somebody else. <laughs> Amy Klobuchar. Uh, Klobuchar. Is that the Facebook lady? Oh, please don't be that. Uh, no, no, no. That's the woman who's running for, <laughs> for running for office. <laughs> Why was I thinking about her? Oh, because I was looking at the uh, the Democrats running. Any Hoosers. It's too early to pick, guys. It's too early to pick. But Bernie Sanders is making that dough. <laughs> uh, the the woman who's in charge of Facebook. Who's that woman in charge of Facebook? <laughs> she has the same rank as um, Sheryl Sandberg. She has the same rank of uh, um, as Zuckerberg. She's on the board, I believe. She's a COO. And uh, people would go to her. Like they would go to her underlings, like they would go to their bosses, like the engineers would go to their bosses and their bosses would go to her. And then she'd be like, no, Russians aren't attacking us. The, if you're watching the video, the, the strap on my watch broke. And so the bottom part is just hanging. You can probably hear it. 
<laughs> the bottom part is just hang it off. And it's been like that. And it's going to be like that because I don't have any money to replace it. Uh, but yeah, pretty damaging things. In 2018, YouTube attempted to curb fake news and conspiracies from spreading on its platform with an information box. And this year, it began to pull ads from potentially harmful content. There you go. Uh, let's go. Last thing. Uh, you know what? Hold on. Let's let's do this on the next. We'll take a break. It's been 17 minutes. I'll take a break. Come back. I'll talk about other things I want to talk about. Okay. Two. One. And we're back to the show that is this, the Constitutionals Podcast. Oh boy! <laughs> to center that camera, the camera over there. If you're watching the, video, if you're not watching the video, you're missing out. You are missing out on seeing this disgusting, sweaty little boy read things from his laptop <laughs> and continuously touch the mic and like lean, hunch over and lean down. I really gotta fix. I gotta. I gotta fix. I gotta find a way to look at this mic. Uh, what's new in my life? <laughs> Well, uh, that show is over, so I, I've not worked on the show, the show I was working on last week. I have not worked on that show anymore. And uh, they were packing up this week, and I and I told them, "Hey, I'm, I'm available," and I did not get a phone call, nor a text. <laughs> Nary a phone call, a text, or text. So I've been sitting here literally all week. I've been sitting here just applying the job. Like it's insane. It sucks so much. Uh, to to not have anything like you wake up and the only thing I have to look forward to is to go to the gym and that's it. Uh, you wake up and then you have nothing, <laughs> which really blows like it really, truly, sincerely blows. <sighs> so sad, but I'll figure it out one day. I'll figure it out. Anywho, let's get on to this. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet for a second. Uh, this comes from Variety. Justice Department warns Academy over potential Oscar rule changes threatening Netflix. Comes from Ted Johnson. The, the DOJ, the Justice Department, has warned the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences that potential rule changes limiting the eligibility of Netflix and other streaming services for the Oscars could raise antitrust concerns and violate competition law. I don't know about antitrust concerns. Because I really only see that with monopolies, but I guess that makes sense. According to a letter obtained by Variety, the chief of the DOJ's antitrust division, Mackin Del Rahim, wrote to Ampas CEO Don Hudson on March 21st to express concerns that new rules would be written, quote, in a way that tends to suppress competition. This comes from uh, Del Rahim. In the event that the Academy, an association that includes multiple competitors in its membership, establishes uh, certain eligibility requirements for the Oscars that eliminate competition without uh, pro-competitive justification, such conduct may raise antitrust concerns. The letter came in response to reports that Steven Spielberg, an Academy board member, was planning to push for rule changes to Oscars eligibility, restricting movies that debut on Netflix and other streaming services around the same time that they show in theaters. Netflix made a big splash of the Oscars. Okay. Uh, so basically, uh, the people who make movies, like Spielberg, big people, who care about the tradition of the movies, they 
want their and the people at the Cannes Film Festival. They want time between when a movie premieres in theaters and when it hits streaming services. Uh, the DOJ says that's that's rude. It's stupid. We should keep the rules the same. Uh, so there you go. There's there's that. You can read the whole letter if you want. Um, it's very. It's not long at all. It's just one page. They uploaded the document. <laughs> Spielberg concerns over the eligibility of movies. I think I did it the first time on streaming platforms have triggered intense debate in the industry. Netflix responded on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, fine. We know we know about what Netflix said. Uh, it's I don't know. It's kind of a it's kind of a catch twenty two. You know, you want you want multiple avenues for movies. You want all these good movies. You want ways to watch them. Um, I'm not saying Spielberg wants this. You want ways to watch them, but then it's uh, you make it difficult for them to compete, which is which is true, which is fine. Uh, which is not fine, which is true. I I don't even I quite honestly I don't know where I land on this debate. I would love for streaming movies to appear in theaters before they hit the streaming services uh, for a period of time. But I also get that Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu don't want to spend money. And come on, those are the only three that are doing it. (laughs) If I see Sony Crackle produce a movie, then we'll talk. Pixels 2, starring Josh Gad and Kubert's son's daughters. Oh gosh. Maybe maybe Netflix should do this. They should put the movies out. You know, uh, I think this year they did Ballad of or La- this season, excuse me. They did Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Roma, and then that other one. They did those uh, like 3 weeks ahead of time, 2 or 3 weeks ahead of time. So maybe they should just do it 2 months ahead of time. Maybe a month ahead of time. Maybe a month will be fine. Who knows? Just keep pushing it back a little bit. But I get what Spielberg is saying, uh, and it's not because I idolize him, but but putting like a movie on Netflix on Friday, November 23rd, and then also in theaters, but in like 70 theaters is, uh, is kind of, it's kind of cheating the system. But I don't know. Who knows? I really don't know where I fall in this debate. I'm not trying to pick sides. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is uh, this week's news time, actually, and there's a lot of stuff I missed in this week's news time because I wasn't able to pack it in there because it wouldn't fit in. Uh, but last week, there... Okay, so here's the here's the problem. The WGA, the Writers Guild of America, is having a little spat with their agents uh, because of agents and their ability to... their growing abilities to become the bosses of writers, wherein, and by that I mean, they are able to uh, produce shows that write, that their clients work on, and instead of getting a 10% commission fee from the writers, they've been able to bypass that, produce the shows, and get even more money, get more sums of money. Um, or have like... Or they've been creating their own production houses... Um, like CAA created uh, Endeavor, I believe, or WIP, one of those. And then the other one, the other WME created uh, Endeavor or WIP, whichever one created whichever one. Endeavor and WIP were created by WME and CAA. And the problem is that uh, these things were created with the intents of not get, of giving decent deals to the writers, but making more money for the agents, uh, for agencies, excuse me. And that's not good. 
So this week's news time, uh, I, I tackled that because they voted, writers voted uh, this past Sunday and said that they would. And so now the writers want to want to propose a new deal because there was a, this was a deal that was started. The agent's ability to produce uh, was started in this in 1973. So they pro- proposed a new deal or 1976. Yeah, 1976. They proposed a new deal, writers, saying we go. They go back to the commission-based uh, fee thing. Uh, basically, they go back to the commission commission thing where they pay uh, agents ten percent, or they have the ability to fire their agents, which is uh, bad for both sides essentially because. Writers and now and and the problem is uh, writers, you know, since they have all these networks of friends and everything, uh, maybe they don't even need agents anymore. Maybe they don't need to uh, go to an agency and say, uh, will you represent me? I'll give you uh, this amount of money uh, for my paycheck Um, if they if they're able to just go and say, hey, Mike, sure. I know you from 10 years ago. You want to can I can you hire me for this for a good place or something like that? I don't know. Uh, so in my notes, I have my notes, you know, <laughs> I really wish I read my notes instead of just talking. The fight is over representation via agents and agencies. Uh, the ATA associated association of talent agencies, packaging and agents ability to produce the conflict of interest negotiate their packaging fees with studio directly instead of on behalf of the client. That's called packaging. So that's called packaging is where the agency, uh, is where, um, there's a client, uh, a writer who has a show, uh, a writer who has a show, and then they have this. Then they go to like a, an agency like CAA, and CAA has uh, a star or and a director and or a director uh, that they work with under their umbrella of CAA, a writer the agency, and then so they say, uh, "Hey, writer, we'll put you with this director and I guess the star or whatever," and then that's called packaging, and they sell the show based on that. But now agencies or agents, yeah, agents and agencies are bypassing that. So I listened to John August, the Script Notes podcast, and Larry Wilmore's Black on the Air. They had two episodes about this. Larry Wilmore's Black, if you want to check this out, Larry Wilmore's Black on the Air. The episode is called The Writers Guild of America Fight with Trevon Free. And Script Notes, John August podcast, is called 20 Questions About the Agency Agreement. So check out both of those episodes. They're very good. Very good, and they they do a way better job of explaining this stuff. Um, but uh, in the in the news time episode, I talk about it being an issue about writers, and it is about writers. Um, that's about all writers. But when you but at some point, and this is what I wasn't able to mention in the episode, uh, it is about writers of color and women uh, being hired and not being able to be hired. They talk about it in the John August podcast around nineteen minutes. And then for Larry Wilmore, as they talk about it, uh, around 26 minutes. Uh, and uh, so let's talk about that for a little bit. <laughs> let's talk about that for a little bit. That's what teachers usually do. I hated that so much. Uh, so sometimes for writers, for women and writers of color, and if you're a woman of color, you know, then God, oof. God bless. Uh, it's a little bit. It's a little bit difficult to get on these shows, especially you know networking and all that stuff. Uh, but an agency might not want to, you know, ostensibly make a package with you. Um, teaming up with agents uh, can be a little bit difficult. Uh, you know, people hire their friends. You know, stuff like that. Um, 
What else did I want to talk about? Oh, writers also need to be able to work on multiple shows. Trevon Free talks about that. Uh, if with you know with this with this clause with these clause in their contracts, uh, writers are also contained to one show can it can also be contained to one show uh, especially if their agent is producing it uh so if a show has you for i don't know 20 weeks of the year um and you, and so the, and then the show is on hiatus and it goes you know it's a it's a 22 episode show and the show goes on hiatus and then you're done for that year they can uh the 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 contract you know stipulates that they're going to say hey listen you got to stay with the show you can't go work on this other show um, and that's not what you want as a writer. You want to be able to, uh, branch out and work on as many, well, as many shows as you can take, uh, like a bunch of writers worked on, you know, three, four or five shows last year. Um, and that's how you make your money. If a writer works on multiple shows, uh, then, you know, they can, they can turn a hundred thousand dollar salary into, uh, five, six, $700 salary, depending you know, $700,000 salary. And of course, I'll, and obviously, uh, you don't just, you don't just get a $100,000 outright. You know, there's taxes, uh, agents, managers, a bunch of things, pull things out. And, you know, your, your, I don't know, your $8,000 check suddenly becomes uh, four or $3,000. Uh, so yeah, it's a first world problem, but obviously, and they mentioned that it's a first world problem, but you know, it's when you're, you know, let's let's say let's say you're a waiter, and all of your tips are, I don't know, uh, you're ta- you're suddenly your tips are taxed, you know, your cash tips are taxed, and the restaurant's like, all right, you owe us fifty dollars. You made a hundred, you owe us fifty. You know, that's a that's you know, you were you were gonna go home with a hundred dollars, but no, you're gonna, and I've had that happen to me before. You gotta tip people out. It's not fun. Uh, and, they talk, and then for Larry Wilmore's case, they talked about can multiple people of color exist in the industry? Uh, you know, they mentioned like Kenya Barris and I mentioned Shonda Rhimes, uh, but these are mega producers. You know, otherwise we only hear about um, Mike Schur and, you know, I love Mike Schur. I don't know why I keep bringing him up, but we only hear about the 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 white producers that are able to produce as many shows as they possibly can. Uh, Mike Schur has... AP Bio, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, he had Parks and Recs, The Good Place. You know all these different shows. I think he's Brooklyn Nine Nine. I, I mean, I'm not Brooklyn Nine. I think he's AP Bio. Let's see, AP Bio, Mike Sure, SCU. Oh, Daddy might be wrong. Yeah, it is. Uh, oh, never mind. I am definitely wrong. And ads copies from Mike Sure. I was wrong. Okay, well, there you go. How many shows does Mike Sure produce right now that are on television? He's a nice guy. He's a very funny guy. I've never met him in my life. Master of None, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Good Place. Is Master of None still going? I don't think Aziz is going to do that show again. I think he's done. Yeah, I think he's done with this show. I would be, too. It's a good show, but I would be done with this show. I'd be done with these people. Boy, boy, I think I boy, I think Netflix would want to bring it back though. Any hoosers, uh, David Simon, who created The Wire, and a bunch of other shows like Tremay, <laughs> right? He wrote an article about this, an essay about it. So definitely check that out. It's just a negotiation, no strike plan. Uh, this coming Sunday, uh, if the ATA, the Association of Talent Agents, um, 
agencies don't agree to the new terms that the WGA has written up, then the WGA, like I said, uh, the writers have a choice. They can either uh, go out to see if their agents want to work with them on the new clauses. Like you can, they can independently choose and say, "Hey, um, agent at blank agency, would you be able to work with me on this new clause with this new clause in hand?" And then the agent can say yes. If they do, then great to go along. If they say no, they they can say, "All right, well, we're not going to work with you ever again." Um, and agent, and like I said, WGA writers can fire their agents too. There you go. Uh, and John August and his and his cohorts are not against WIP or Endeavor, created by WME and CAA. They just shouldn't be. They they like them. They just shouldn't be part of agencies. They should be their own arm. All right. So I did not do a good job <laughs> of explaining all that, but definitely check it out. Check out News Time. Check out the David Simon article. Check out those podcasts. Uh, really good listens. Really good work. I'm gonna take a shower. Hey, listen, if you like what you heard here, watch it on over to WesleySeeplesComedy.com where there's some great things. Uh, like, uh, I don't know, some stuff, some interviews, some old interviews. Last one I did was Ron Funches. Uh, I was, my plan for February, and I don't know if I mentioned this, was to have one interview a week and I only managed to get one, which is Ron Funches. Only one person said yes. Uh, this is after cold calling and I was going to talk to, uh, four black comedians. Uh, one person did not respond. Another one. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but I I didn't didn't say this person's name. Uh, another one, I reached out to him directly. (laughs) Crap. (laughs) I reached out to him directly and he said, yes, I love the idea, uh, of talking to me. He said, let me, let me link in my people and looped in his people and, his people said, no, <laughs> she said, we're going to pass. <laughs> and I was struck, but whatever you get, you get down, you move on up. So that never happened. And then that person appeared on my podcast this week and I was so, uh, I was like, Oh, I could have talked to him. <sighs> anyway, losers, uh, check it out. Check out the website. Uh, that's where this lives as well as a uh, news time. You can find a video version of this podcast and news time on youtube.com slash C plus comedy. Um, you can see me in all my glory, my sweaty glory today and uh, news time. Like I said, weekly news show this week's talking about the packaging that the writers are fighting against the agencies for. It's a great episode. Really, really great episode. I really liked it a lot. Uh, the cold open is wonderful for being done at the last possible minute. And I love it so much and it's so good. Definitely check it out. It's good. I'm going to hang up. Construction is happening outside. I'm very hungry. i got to take a shower. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you later. Bye.